All righty, good evening, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast as we continue to wind our way through the NFL, team by team, division by division. And uh, we come to the final division in the AFC, and that is the AFC West. I know, Wiz, you, uh, you're very excited about this division. Uh, last year, you had a, uh, a very interesting call uh, when we were talking about Aaron Rodgers as a potential landing spot being the Denver Broncos. And and given the situation that we're looking at right now, uh, a definite possibility still. I know Aaron Rodgers is on the golf course right now, but uh, you made that very intelligent call last year, and I think it's still one that uh, has some promise left in it. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers is going to play football, it's one of those spots that he could definitely land in and, and certainly would impact uh, the fantasy landscape if, in fact, he ended up with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, there's no, there's no question about it. What makes this division so interesting is – you really have the most elite pass catches in the entire, entire NFL in this division at you know wide receiver and a tight end. The question is, aside from you know the the, the elite guys, the guys that uh, get the you know all the notoriety and are at the top of everyone's draft board at wide receiver and, and tight end. Is there any? Is there going to be anybody else on those teams? And I'm mainly talking about the Raiders, the Chiefs. And the Chargers, besides their elite pass catches, is there going to be anybody else that is going to step up and become a fantasy football factor this year? And uh, we'll get to it, but I guess we're starting off with the Denver Broncos, right? We are starting off with the Broncos, and, and Vic Fangio has been the head coach here for a couple of years. It's a defense that's had a lot of injuries uh, last year, losing their best pass catcher from the year before in Cortland Sutton. Uh, we know they brought Melvin Gordon here. Philip Lindsay's no longer part of the equation. But first and foremost, when you're talking about the Broncos, you know, you're looking at a situation, a quarterback where Drew Locke is, is, is the current starter. Uh, I think we can look at him and say he's been wildly inefficient last year. 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, numbers that are not exciting in any way, shape, or form. I think when you look at that draft, when you look at guys like Locke, and Daniel Jones they have a lot to prove this year whether they're able to do that or not are they the future of the franchise I don't know uh, you know we talked about Rodgers does he end up here potentially that's a possibility I mean I think John Elway's had a lot of lousy calls when it comes to quarterbacks uh, as as the GM of this franchise and I think the other thing was they, they bring in uh Teddy Bridgewater here who you know you look at his numbers yeah he had almost a 70% completion ratio compared to Drew Locke having the worst in the league at 57% but I don't know that he's quite the answer because I think a lot of times last year and why the Carolina Panthers really wanted to move on from him he couldn't get the ball in the end zone with that offense and I think that you know Joe Brady and Matt Rule quickly gave up on that you know there is a possibility though in in, in, in camp let's say Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback here you you definitely have a, a, a competition Competition between these two guys and you know again the Rodgers part of this is going to be looming in the background and I think if you're if in the in your fantasy mind you have to think that maybe some of these Denver players and I don't know how you're thinking about this but carry some premium to them especially some people are even drafting right now so if you're drafting right now Wiz are you, are you drafting with the notion that maybe you know as, as these players are good there's no question about it but God, their, their values increase astronomically if, if, if Aaron Rodgers moves into Denver. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that is definitely true. The question is, 
you know, how much weight do you put into that uh, at a draft on, you know, on the hope that not only will Rodgers be traded, but he's going to end up on Denver. Uh, I think, you know, there's a, a, a likelihood that he's going to be moved. I think uh, it makes sense for Green Bay to wait and wait and, and try and, uh, you know, put – put Rodgers and the team he's trading to into as difficult a spot as possible uh, because there's going to be draft picks involved. And, uh, you know, once there's draft picks involved, uh, you want the team to do as poorly as possible to get the best pick. So um, I, I think I think all of that could come into play. As far as in the quarterback spot on the, with the players on the existing roster, um, I'm not drafting in any formats where, you know, you're starting one quarterback um, and probably even a super flex league where you could start two. I would not be drafting Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater uh, under any circumstances in any formats. Do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think at this point in time, you would probably agree if I told you that Drew Locke is not a long-term option here at quarterback for the Denver Broncos, you, you would probably agree with that statement wholeheartedly. Yeah, there's no, there's no question about that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is really in competition with him kind of lets you know how they they feel the organization about 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 Drew Locke. And um, so I'm passing on the quarterbacks on Denver uh, in standard leagues in all formats. Yeah, and I'm with you there. I don't know how this kind of affects, the, the you know, the rest of the roster. At running back, you know, Philip Lindsay, we th- – at least I definitely felt that he was the better running back on, on this roster last year. I've never been a huge proponent of Melvin Gordon. I know Gordon has always had a high amount of touchdowns, but kind of a low yards per carry number attached to him. They did draft Javante Williams. They moved up in the draft to get the player, a strong running back out of North Carolina. He's a rookie. Uh, Ron, Ron, uh, Ron Boone comes and joins from the Minnesota Vikings. They still have Royce Freeman on this roster. You know, I guess at the end of the day, Wiz, you know, I don't know, like – Melvin Gordon has definitely got some wear on him over the years and, and not necessarily been the most effective player on a game-in and game-out basis. And I feel like for fantasy players, especially in dynasty leagues, you have to be looking at Javante Williams as kind of the guy that's going to hold more value here. And I would argue he might even have more value coming into this season. I, I think we could both agree that he's not necessarily going to be the pass-catching guy here. And the question is who, how that does shake out in terms of this offense and I, I guess and Gordon can catch the ball there's no question about it but I just I, I don't know I think there are a lot of question marks around this particular group and who ends up coming on top you know from a fantasy perspective I, I would say right now there's a chance that one of these guys could be a number two running back but I'd be going in with the mindset that you'd be looking at probably more like three running back here because I think the players are going to usurp each other where the value will get knocked down on each player as a result of the usage. Yeah, is Javante Williams the future of the Broncos at running back? Absolutely. The question is, is Melvin Gordon going to be a big enough thorn in the side to keep Javante Williams from being a real fantasy football factor at running back. And I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Uh, Mike Boone's a, you know, a talented player. I'm not sure what role he is going to have. Um, but in, in leagues where, you know, you're just redrafting, uh, I, I have, you know, Javante Williams as kind of 
running back to flex that area. It's not a confident running back to, unless you know you think they're going to trade Melvin Gordon during the year or whatever's going to happen, uh, where Gordon is not going to be a thorn in the side of Javante Williams. But as it sits now, um, I you know I have I'm 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 just trying to decide whether I have Javante Williams as running back to or more, <clears throat> or more of a flex player. All right, so let's move to, and I do, I kind of concur with you at this point in time. Let's move to receiver where, you know, we could look at this receiver from the outside in, and I think if we, I think both of us would have a lot more confidence, and I think everybody would have a lot more confidence if, in fact, Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback here, but that's not the case. And I think when you look at, kind of the performance of uh, Jerry Judy last year. You know, he dropped 10 balls. He only had a 46% completion rate, uh, you know, when passes thrown to him. And I would argue a lot of that has to do with the guy who was throwing him the ball, and that was Drew Locke. And, and, and chemistry was not there. Rookie, rookie, rookie receiver, you know, not a proper preparation last year. Cortland Sutton coming back from that ACL, he had a 1,000-yard season, and in, in, it was a beast, actually, in 2019, but it takes time to get back. A few times last year, K.J. Hamler actually had some games. I was actually very impressed with, with Tim Patrick last year, and, and, and the Denver Broncos did sign him, but he's probably third or fourth at best on this roster. I, I think my opinion of this whole group would change dramatically uh, if, in fact, we had a different situation at quarterback, but I think, that, I think with the situation that we do have with the current roster, you know, I'm not saying these guys are not going to get drafted, particularly Sutton and Judy, uh, for certain. But as a result of the inconsistency that I believe we're going to see with the quarterback play, it's kind of hard to really have a lot of confidence in the receivers, despite the abilities of the guys that are on this roster. Yeah, I mean, Quentin Sutton in 2019, he had, you know, over 70 catches, 1,100 yards, like six touchdowns. And then I think his first game of the year last year, uh, he had the you know, season-ending injury. So now he's you know coming off the injury. Judy was not on that team that he had those 72 catches. So to your point, they kind of have to deal with not only poor quarterback play, but with each other in terms of putting up good good stats. I have Colin Sullen. I think he's. A, I, I think Colin Sullen and Jerry Judy are, are wide receiver three, which would probably make them both starters uh, in, in in standard football leagues. But both players potentially. Um, would move up, you know, into probably wide receiver two. Certainly one of them if Aaron Rodgers is quarterback. But considering the subpar quarterback play, the fact that they have to deal with each other, the fact that they're on a team that a decent pass catches to spread the ball around, I have them both as, as wide receiver three coming into the season. Yeah, and I think that's right. This is an offense that ranked 28th in scoring the last two years in the NFL. And, you know, that's not good considering, uh, and I think both of us agree, there's talent here at the receiver position. And even without Sutton last year, I think Tim Patrick found a way to get in the end zone. K.J. Hamler actually had a couple good games uh, after dealing with some injuries earlier in the year. Uh, But again, wildly inconsistent quarterback play really takes down the, the entire offense. And 
and actually impacts the entire team. Uh, it leads me into the tight end situation where, you know, Noah Font, probably one of the most gifted and athletic tight ends out there on the receiving side, much more of the receiving side. Uh, you know, he had an excellent year in terms of the amount of receptions. He was the he was actually the number one targeted player in this offense. He may actually, I don't know, there's a possibility he could lead this team in, in receptions. Um, and and Al, Albert Ugabunum, who was a college teammate of, of Drew Locke, they started to connect a little bit, a few end zone plays to him, but Ugabunum got hurt uh, late in the year. ACL, ACL injury, I'm not sure he's going to be prepared uh, for the start of the season. But, I, you know, Noah Font certainly, in my eyes, is on the cusp of top 10 tight ends in the NFL. Uh, I think you can expect, because of this offense, inconsistent at the moment uh, with the quarterbacking, I think you could expect inconsistency in the performance of Font, despite his talent and speed. Again, he's not going to be known for his blocking, but he's a gifted pass catcher, and you know he can he can get away from linebackers and extend plays, uh, you know, a lot more than most tight ends in this league. Yeah, and I have no font inside my top twelve at tight end. He's a tight end one, but I will say about him, I don't necessarily trust him in terms of he's not like one of these tight ends where you could set it and forget it. Um, I think he's one of these tight ends that is tight end one potential. But I think you have to go and get another guy that you think could be solid in the case that it doesn't pan out. Uh, Because I I just think there's a wide range of outcomes for Noah Font. One of it being in top 8 to 10 at tight end, and another one where he's unseated as a starter. I mean, I I could just see a wide range of outcomes for him, more so than just about any tight end in the National Football League. And... uh, he he's just one of these guys where if you draft him, I think you just need to address the tight end position with a with a solid guy later in the draft. I mean, I just feel he has elite talent, but subpar quarterback play. He's not a great blocker, um, and for other reasons as well. I just feel um, he's not a sure thing. Where if I draft him at tight end as my number one, which you know I could see myself doing that. I'm just completely forget about the tight end like like it's Travis Kelsey where I'm not going to worry about it all year. I, I don't see it that way. Yeah, and I, and I would agree with you. I, I just add one thing. was you know, This team sp- has spent some draft picks the last couple of years in offensive line. Mike Munchak, an all-pro offensive lineman, is actually going to be coaching this group. Uh, they've spent a decent amount of money. They, they've dealt with some injuries. We had the, we had the freak injury before the season where, where their starting offensive lineman is not going to be not going to be part of the team. They cut him loose. And this is a young group and has to come together to make it work. I, I like the fact that Munchak is here. He's done well in previous stops as an offensive line coach you know, perhaps helps this team a little bit. But but again, they've invested a lot of money at offensive line over the years, not really ever producing an elite product. So you know, a lot of question marks around this team. And, 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 and on the Broncos, Wiz, this team actually led the NFL in turnovers. And we kind of talked about this last year when we were talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense. And remember Jameis Winston throwing all those picks. And this is Vic Fangio is a defensive guy. They've made a lot of commitment to this defensive secondary. Could be one of the better secondaries in the league. We know they have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. They haven't necessarily been on the field together a lot. But this has the makings of an elite defense. But 
I, you know, I worry that the offense could actually hurt the value of this defense. I think people kind of get excited by some of the personnel that they see here, but I think we're looking at a similar situation where if you have all these turnovers occurring, you know, it puts your defense on, on the back foot many times. So I'm not so sure that Denver, while I see them kind of creeping up on the top 12 in some folks' rankings, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I, I, feel more confident in that, of course, if Aaron Rodgers was here. Not necessarily so confident in that, given all the turnovers that they saw last year. Yeah, I mean, the Denver defense, that back seven is is absolutely terrific. I mean, you, you know, you start with, obviously, the guys who are going to go after the passer, uh, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Um, Kyle Fuller has come over to them. They drafted Patrick Sertan. They have Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson. I mean, that, that back seven is good. They have three problems. One is their quarterback. Two is Kansas City's quarterback. And three is the, Chief, the Chargers quarterback. <laughs> so you play four games against Mahomes um, and Justin Herbert, and you have to worry about your quarterback, the Broncos quarterback, to your point, exactly what you mentioned, putting their defense in bad situations, not sustaining the drive, not sustaining drives, not making first downs, and not keeping their defense off the field. But just from a talent standpoint, uh, you talked about some of their offensive players going up if Aaron Rodgers went there. Their defense, I think, in my book, becomes the top five to seven defense if Aaron Rodgers goes there. Yeah, and right now, you would you consider them top 12 right now? I don't have them top 12 right this second. Uh, it's very, very close. Yeah. It's very close. But uh, I think they're one of these defenses that um, you would start in, in, in on, on certain weeks streaming them. Uh, they're not like, you know, a defense you just draft and you, know, you don't really care who the opponent is. You're going to start them. But they're on the cusp, and they have enough good players on defense where uh, I think they should be drafted. So that leads me to Brandon McManus, who, you know, playing in the altitude in Denver, I think we've seen with Fangio, he's not afraid, afraid to send the player out for long field goals. Uh, scoring opportunities are definitely lacking in this offense presently. I, I think we're probably talking about the same situation for McManus, where because he kicks long field goals where he plays, the extra points obviously would increase if Rodgers, but, but his player value probably hinges again on, on what happens at the quarterback spot if Aaron Rodgers actually shows up in Denver. Yeah, there's no question about that. Now, I'm not sure what the NFL record is. Uh, I can't imagine that if he didn't break it last year that he wasn't close. But he attempted 15 field goals from 50 and beyond. Yeah, that's amazing. That has to be a record. I would agree. I can't imagine that that's not a record. He made 10 of them, terrific, 8 for 8 from 40 to 49. Uh, he was, you know, 10 for 10, uh, I think, or, yeah, 10 for 11 or something like that on 40 and in. He made a ton of field goals because of the quarterback play. They don't convert a lot of bad times in the red zone, so that leads to a lot of attempts for him. But, yeah, I think considering – um, the, the the stadium that he's kicking in, uh, the altitude, and the fact that the coach is willing to send him out there. Um, yeah, McManus is a must-start in uh, all fantasy football uh, formats as a, as a kicker one. All right, fantastic. So that's it for the Denver Broncos Wiz, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. So again, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, and we're on SoundCloud. We're going through each and every team. Uh, AFC, we're finishing up. This is the AFC West that we're up to, so that means 
the defending AFC champs, Kansas City Chiefs, are next, Wiz. Speak to you on the other All side. Right. You got it.